Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Sam. Yeah, it's uh, still me, I'm afraid. Uh, Dan Martin is still on holiday, but he'll be back next time, which is a relief for all of us precious arrowheads. Uh, But uh, I was supposed to be joined by uh, a guest co-host, Ben Chapman, who's the host of one of my favourite podcasts ever, Movie Pipe, which is this weird kind of Chris Morris meets Peter Cook satire of film criticism. However, in the ultimate satirical act, Ben completely (laughs) failed to record his side of the conversation and just something went wrong, his end, which is a shame uh, because it would have been a good episode, but you're never going to hear it. But I have still asked Ben to put his thoughts down so we're going to be hearing a a voice note from him later on in the show but instead of uh, just teasing you with what could have been I am actually going to play you a little sample of us talking about what went wrong because it's quite funny so um, here is that yeah just kicking myself I didn't you know you I plan the technical piece and then it goes tits up when you're on air but I guess that's how it how it works sometimes baptism of fire it's um, so weird yeah so um, weird. it was crystal fucking clear yesterday i did it yeah. i like called myself and i had music playing on the other laptop downstairs and it was yeah. like wow this sounds amazing oh shit i don't know what's gone wrong like what's different yeah odd. that is weird and the fact that it stopped after five minutes as well i know that's super weird i don't know what that's all about but um anyway and i didn't know because it was like in the background i just like you know did it i recording and then just put my notes in front of me so i didn't even see the little widget what's absolutely killing me is it was so fucking good (laughs) (laughs) well look we heard it (laughs) yeah you were brilliant ben seriously like i I don't even remember what i said (laughs) exactly that's when you know you're in the zone i was like oh man this is Ben is absolutely nailing this. This is incredible. And I literally, I swear to you, I thought, fuck, I really hope that when the audio file comes through, there's nothing wrong with it because this is so good. And then uh, you were like, please, sir. I don't know what movie it is, but there's a movie where the guy is, he's filming a terrorist. It's True Lies. You know, the guy, he's like yeah. filming the, the terrorist, giving a big speech and he's like, fucking yeah. the comes out. And he's like, the camera's shaking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's me. <laughs> oh man i actually i might um i might i might throw this actually into the episode i've just realized that we're recording this and uh, that is a very oh, funny hilarious. very funny comparison all right well ben i will bid you adieu and i will um work out how to um record this this thing without sounding like a complete egomaniac that um, time that time you tried to have a podcast host <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, those those heady, heady days. Jeez. All right, Ben. I love you and uh, I'll speak to you soon. I love you, mate. Take care. Bye. Right. Bye bye. And now I'm going to go into the discussion that we were going to have. We were going to talk about Driller Killer, but I'm just going to talk to you, the precious arrowhead. It's going to be a one way conversation this time. But never fear, Dan Martin will be back next time around and until then you just get to hear my solo thoughts now this is a movie that was on the uk's video nasties list in the 80s some claim that it got on the list because of the cover i'd say it's probably because it features a nasty little man running around drilling people in the head here is the trailer i want 
So the movie opens with some bells ringing and some Lynchian ambient noise. There's a title card, a flare to a red screen. Then we're in a church with a statue of Jesus H. Christ. Now, if that's intended as an opening statement, then Driller Killer is a religious movie, as tied to the Bible as something like Taxi Driver, full of repression and the kind of Catholic guilt that would make Paul Schrader blush. You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, then who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Oh, yeah? however i'm not so sure this is really a religious movie i think those elements are in there and obviously catholic guilt does appear throughout ferrara's career and and canon but this is talking about something different uh, i'd say and and i'll I'll get onto that over the course of this uh you know whatever the fuck this is (laughs) uh me talking it's a presentation about driller killer you know please play it at your university of choice anyway we're not five minutes in and we're at a punk show and that's what this movie is it's punk rock cinema if a series of bands heard the sex pistols and then picked up instruments because you know they didn't have to have technical skill in order to play to crowds I feel that's a little bit of what Ferreira's doing here it's as if he saw Scorsese's work and decided you know I'm going to do that, um, but I'm going to do it in my own way. This is basically the Antichrist version of something like Mean Streets. This is kind of a cover version, but like I say, it is doing its own thing. You know, it's it's DIY cinema in every essence of the word. Only Ferreira would make a DIY film with a DIY tool in the title. It's loud, it's abrasive, it's intense. It's a drill to the skull. To be fair, Ferreira says on the commentary that if I paid to see a movie called The Driller Killer and this was it, I would punch the director in the fucking head, which is a very funny statement and a very true statement. If you were to pick this 
up or off the video store shelf, you know, with that cover and that title, you'd probably be expecting something like Maniac or even, you know, Intruder. But no, instead what you've got is essentially a, an art house meets grindhouse movie with a very documentary feel it almost feels like cassavetes in places very very interesting stylistically lots of handheld camera lots of grain and, and lots of improv obviously now Ferreira is a provocateur as you may have guessed from that statement he's kind of an edgelord but of all the things Abel Ferrara has been accused of being an actor definitely isn't one of them um, he has got an amazing face, he looks great on camera, but his performance as Reno is what it would be like if a pile of cocaine turned into a person. There is not a great deal of charm there, but that is the point. This is an ugly, abrasive, angry movie. It's not supposed to be charming. It's meant to get under your skin, much like a drill to the forehead. There are great performances here, though especially considering the production circumstances, which does seem to be fueled by chaotic improv. In that respect, Carolyn Mars probably deserves an Oscar for her role here. And in terms of how it's filmed, we get some verite shots of homeless folks or, or vagrants or unhoused or however you want to refer to these poor people. We have plenty of unhoused in Portland, which is where I'm living at the moment. It's a very big issue here in the states and while i don't want to take a drill to their heads i would rather they didn't chase me down the street screaming at me to jerk them off um, which has happened on my street there's a headline in driller killer state abandons mentally ill to city streets and that really is what's going on here it's kind of indescribable to someone who hasn't experienced it and you arrowheads know me i'm compassionate but when someone crosses the street to tell me they want to kick my ass again when i don't remember them kicking my ass the first time my empathy does start to drain but just to be very clear i'm not advocating a drill as a solution you know or a screwdriver or a chainsaw or you know whatever we can heal this problem with love and ideally some kind of political policy if uh, anyone in charge in Portland is listening to this podcast. Anyway, back to Driller Killer. Some people have claimed that Reno is killing father figures or even stand-ins for Jesus, just to, to tie it back to that religious opening. And if Jesus was to come back, he probably would be an unhoused person. You know, he wasn't big into possessions, for example, and um, he did rely on the kindness of strangers. So there is stuff in the movie to support both of those perspectives. But I actually think that Reno's attacking himself, his own poverty. In one of the earliest scenes, he complains about the cost of the apartment he lives in, that it's little more than four walls and a toilet. He and his housemates sit on the floor to eat pizza off a carpet, you know. He is a few missed payments away from having even those luxuries taken away. The drill, a phallic symbol if ever I saw one, gives him power at a time when he was vulnerable and artistically impotent. To follow that thread a little bit, there is a lot of straddling in this movie and even one post-homicidal forehead kiss. But I think the poverty theme is way more significant 
especially when you take into account the murders in the third act, which I'm not going to spoil here. New York has cleaned itself up since the days of Taxi Driver, Mean Streets and Driller Killer, but it is still very relevant. You could make those movies in America today. You just have to travel to different states. Abel Ferrara is essentially Martin Scorsese meets John Cassavetes and the devil. They take similar approaches. But where a movie like Cassavetes' Shadows is about love, Driller Killer is about hate. It's about frustration. It's about the struggle of being a transgressive artist. And it's about being poor. For all its faults, and there are some, I really, really love this movie. That's the end of my solo (laughs) career as a a podcaster, and I'm glad that it was Driller Killer that I talked about. So I'm going to move on to recommendations based on Driller Killer. So in addition to the New York movies I mentioned, stuff like Mean Street, Taxi Driver, and Bad Lieutenant, definitely, off the back of Driller Killer, and weirdo movies like Buffalo 66 which I can see some parallels between Vincent Gallo and Abel Ferrara for sure but I'm going to go in a slightly different direction and this first recommendation is dedicated to Dan Martin who as I say will be back next time don't worry Colour Me Blood Red which is a very early splatter film one of the earliest and Colour Me Blood Red is a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie from 1965 so it's post Blood Feast but it is part of that first wave and it's about another artist whose creative rut is cured by murder except here he uses blood as paint it's an amazing super fun movie and would definitely work in a double bill with Driller Killer Colour Me Blood Red I recommend it, and I know Dan would recommend it too. Uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis is one of his favourite filmmakers of all time. And yeah, very, very special connection to that director. So as I say, dedicated to Dan. Next up from me is Bliss, which is available on Arrow at the time of writing. It's on the streaming service. Joe Bigos's Bliss is 100% influenced by Driller Killer. They are like twins if it wasn't for the fact that Bliss is a supernatural movie. Bliss is about vampires, which makes it a little less cool than Driller Killer, just a little bit. There are cool vampire movies, don't get me wrong, but they're not as cool as violent crime movies like Driller Killer. Innocent Blood and From Dusk Till Dawn are the exceptions there. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. Watch Bliss, it's got an unlikable lead, lots of paint and lots of blood and vampires if you like that sort of thing actually maybe i should have recommended vampires kiss instead that's probably a better vampire movie to pair with this film so um yeah watch vampires kiss all right that's it for recommendations based on the film i'm now gonna recommend some stuff from the past couple of weeks first up gang boys from 1994 Now, Gang Boys has the vanity project Holy Trinity in that it's written by, starring and directed by the legendary Wingshauser. But this could be the least flattering vanity project ever made. It literally has Wings' opening title credit over a picture of Adolf Hitler. And it features some really ugly stuff. It's about neo-Nazis, hence the Hitler thing and is surprisingly well made. It's basically a drama about the dangers of fascism, 
with some art house imagination the opening shots in particular are extremely striking it also features linda blair who's excellent and a very very funny sex scene which is classic wings this sex scene is part of an insane third act very very weird and and intense there really is a lot to recommend about gang boys which i actually found in shay's vhs collection it deserves a blu-ray release it hasn't been upgraded yet so maybe not from arrow but vinegar syndrome if you're listening give this a vsa please all right so next up in terms of recommendations based on what i've been watching since the last episode project shadow chaser from 1992 Now, imagine if a movie could fuse the power of Demolition Man, Die Hard, and The Terminator by creating a plot that sees a criminal released from cryogenic sleep to go after a terrorist who's taken over a building, and the terrorist also happens to be a killer cyborg. Well, you don't have to imagine anymore, because that's Project Shadow Chaser. It's the best movie since T-Force arguably i'm actually just going to play a clip from it this is during like an early sequence where the terrorists are invading a hospital which they're planning on taking over because the president's daughter is in there this is an example of the kind of robocop level of dialogue you can expect from project shadow chaser you've got two minutes to clear this area you now have less in two minutes shakespearean poetry as far as i'm concerned yes it's a shitty sci-fi action movie with robots so i'm programmed to love it project shadow chaser you have two minutes to watch it you now have less than two minutes i recommend it all right let's go into extra features extra features extra features because of the situation with ben obviously this is going to be a short episode because there's only really one side of the conversation happening however i am going to reach out to ben and ask him to record a little voice note giving us his thoughts on driller killer so here is that now thanks sam excited to be here there's drilling there's killing it's Made in Manhattan, the 2002 American romantic comedy drama film directed by... So, what? What? No, no, ma- yeah, Made in Manhattan, the uh, romantic comedy drama by Wayne Wang, right? With Jenny Lopez and Ray Fiennes. No? What was it then? Let me see that. Let me read that. Driller Killer. Right, got it. Uh... Yeah, Driller Killer. So I remember watching this when I was about 10 years old. Uh, On reflection, not a good look. Uh, Probably shouldn't have been watching this type of movie at such a young age. And it obviously had zero effect on me uh, in my adolescence and adulthood. But I do remember the extreme violence. And it was a VHS that was getting handed around at school. As we used to do that in the days before the interweb. And um, yeah, don't remember anything about the plot. So it was quite surprising when I did put this on some 30 years later, basically last night, I lay in bed and I thought, oh, I don't want to watch Made in Manhattan. I want to watch Driller Killer. And I put on Driller Killer because Sam actually asked me to watch Driller Killer because he's doing an episode on Driller Killer for the Arrow video podcast. And I was supposed to be recording an episode with Sam because Dan's out. I'm Ben, by the way, from Movie Pipe, and Sam introduced Movie Pipe. It's kind of a 
comedy satire, bit of a mess to be honest, podcast where I review movies and just talk about strange going-ons in my private viewing theatre that is supposed to be managed by Paul. Paul's back by the way, he's been absent for about six weeks. If you do listen to the show, you'll know that Paul went AWOL. He didn't tell me where he was. I tried to claim a life insurance policy in his name, that failed. So uh, he's back and uh, he just he's downstairs now making me some breakfast because I'm actually in Florida in America and it's about 8 a.m. So it's just around the time of my breakfast. Uh, anyway, as I before I tuck into the breakfast, I thought I'd tuck into my thoughts on Driller Killer, the Abel Ferreira sort of comedy horror splatter fest. And like I said, I watched this when I was 10. I only really remember the drilling um, and the blood. But I was quite surprised by the the narrative structure this time around. Also shocked to see Abel Ferrara in the actual movie. I didn't realise it was that guy. I didn't know who he was when I was 10. Why would I? Um, so he was pretty, like, a good character. He He's kind of on edge. And, you know, you might hear a, a, an interview with the guy and he kind of sounds the same as he does in this movie. He's kind of a bit tetchy. What you would consider the stereotypical New Yorker um, seemingly doesn't have a lot of time for anyone um, and in this movie he's playing an artist I mean the parallels are very clear um, and uh, there's a you know the establishment the art the gallery owner asks him to create a piece of work um, he's sort of rushing to try and get this thing out the door he has bills to pay and for some unknown reason he adopts the drill as his weapon of choice and stalks the streets and starts murdering homeless people in extremely graphic violent ways often drilling into their heads or their spines or their chests or their guts or their torsos and I was struck by how good the blood is in Driller Killer sometimes you get that fake sort of hammer horror blood which is just like, that's not real blood, that's an actor with fake blood on them. But this time I'm like, did they actually drill people in this movie in the name of art? Did somebody say, hey, I'm here for the audition, the uh, the drilling audition? Yes, please, take a seat, sir. We're just going to uh, drill into your face with a 16-inch <laughs> drill bit. Um, now, would you accept $50 for your time? I'd love $50 to have my face drilled uh, for a few minutes and if you wouldn't mind healing by the time we actually come to shoot the movie and don't die yet if you wouldn't mind dying on screen there's another fifty dollars in it for you so very realistic and as Abel Ferreira's first feature film you know he basically set in stone his visual style you jump from this to King of New York to Bad Lieutenant and you know the style is is there it's almost like Bad Lieutenant is a much more mature storytelling exercise. There's a stronger plot, a stronger narrative. The acting is better, the direction is better, but it still has that edge. And I think all of his movies have that New York edge, but that's who he is as a human. You know, he has an edge. He's kind of, he just comes across as like very tetchy. That's the only word I can use. Um, a bit like me in the mornings. Um, so yeah, I really like Driller Killer. It wasn't on my list for Movie Pipe because the 37-person committee who actually programs 
our podcast, they're not into people having their bodies drilled with um, electrical drills. I will say, as I watched it this time, I thought it was amusing to imagine the character Reno played by Abel Ferrara as kind of like a weird hipster Batman <laughs> because he sees a commercial on TV for this porter pack, which is like this brilliantly weird battery pack that you wear around your waist and you can plug stuff into it in the 70s, like drills, and it enables somebody to wander the streets because um, you would think, wow, I'd have to... T if I wanted to go out tonight and start drilling people... I would need an extremely long extension lead and a power strip, most likely. It's not convenient to just plug into any building in the streets of New York. They're not offering electrical services or out outlets at every corner. So you do have to think ahead. You have to have a bit of planning. If you do want to be a violent driller killer, you do have to think a bit you know, analytically about this. Well, I need to provide power in order to drill. I'm also going to be out for quite a long time because I need to find my victims and I might do more than one in in an evening. So I definitely need this, this power pack. So it's quite lucky that the character was actually watching television at a time where there was a commercial for a portable power pack that he could then, I, you know, but it reminded me of Batman's utility belt. And he, it's kind of like, it's kind of a weird, like, you know, driller killer begins period where he's sort of stalking the streets. He comes out the shadows. Anyway, that was driller killer. Thanks, Sam, for having me back, albeit via a pre-recorded sound clip. This is Ben, a.k.a. GG Conk from Movie Pipe. Please do give it a listen. I'd really appreciate it. And I promise Sam will be more professional next time. But before we go, I talked to Abel Ferrara about Siberia at the London Film Festival. Not the one just gone, but the one before that. And so I've thrown it into the podcast before. Why not throw it into the Driller Killer episode as well? If you haven't seen Siberia, uh, that is a massive, massive recommendation. And uh, here is me and Abel Ferrara talking about Siberia. Now, Siberia contains a discussion of the black arts. Are you interested in the black arts? Are you a magician? Because this film feels like a magic spell. Well, you know, I mean, the black arts in this film might be the film itself, you know, I mean, you know, we're talking about magic versus medicine, you know, science versus, uh, you know, the other side of uh, science, mysticism. You know, the creative uh, thing is, is kind of like the balance to the science. I love it. Thank yeah, you. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Answer the question. I'm very interested. Yeah. And um, it also feels like a film about deathbed regret. Is that uh, a fair interpretation, or? Well, you know, I mean, the guy has lived a life, and he's got memories, and and some of the memories are good, and some of them are not so good. You know, and and the ones that he's trying to to um, make amends for even if they're in his mind or maybe they were or they're you know it's hard to it's hard to judge these scenes you know when he comes back to his ex-wife is that a scene that happened is that a scene he wish happened is that a scene he wants to make happen you know i mean i i don't think that's as important as what the scene ended up being you know one moment that kind of really struck a chord with me um the moment with clint's mother uh, where he apologizes for not being there at the end. Um, right. That moment felt very truthful. Um, what inspired that scene? 
No, I mean, that was uh, from my my personal memory. You know, my mother died of cancer. I was like, uh, at the time, um, you know, I was drugged and drinking, I'm sure. And um, maybe I had a good reason, maybe I didn't, you know. But um, I like, my mother was very cool and very loving. You know, like I could really do no wrong to my mother. So I, it's almost funny, this thing, in a way. It's like, you know, you're trying to, apologize to your dead mother for not being there to, you know, the moment she died, you know, and, and she's like, but I know you're busy. Like, that's kind of like where my mother's at. She would have said, yeah, but you're busy. It's okay. You know, yeah. she, first of all, she's self-reliant and independent and tough. So, you know, but still, it would have been nice to be there. And is that real footage of your mother that kind of comes in just after? That's, Will, that's Willem's mother. Oh wow! Okay, okay, and and so Willem is clearly a, an amazing collaborator for you. Um, what makes yeah. him so special? What makes your relationship so special? It makes everything you want an actor, man. You know, he's smart, he's sensitive, he's hardworking. He, you know, brings a creative punch. He's he loves doing it. You know, he's supportive. He's there from the very beginning. You know, he's not. You know. He's not kind of waiting to show up on a set when everything's there. You know, he went through all the pain of the creation of the script, the cre finding the money, looking at locate. You know, he, he's a he's he's a collaborator. That's really the the best word for it. You know, and a supporter, and and you know, he brings a you know he brings the right energy, man, and he brings a lot of it. Yeah, and like this film almost feels like a child <laughs> produced by the two of you like it's it's his life it's his memories it's his dna it's also right. your life your your kind of dna um how hard was it to be so kind of honest with each other in order to create something as kind of powerful as this i mean that's there as a as a, as a given i mean you know i mean if you're gonna make films if you're gonna do anything artistic you know on the level that you're gonna, if you express to people, you know, you better start at that, 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 you know, there, your most primal, honest self. I mean, you know, you got a lot of nerve, you know, projecting lies, you know, it's hard enough projecting the truth, so. It is reason an obstacle when it comes to appreciating art. Um, my favorite films create kind of a hypnotic mood um, and it feels like Siberia does that quite powerfully. Is this a film that people should apply logic to? I just think you gotta, I think people need to just watch something and let, let it come to them. You know, let yeah. it, you know, the Buddhist, it's the Buddhist rap, bro. Expectation leads to resentment. So if you can approach a film and just let it wash over you, let it come to you, don't, you know, don't think, it's got to, you know, because the film, it has to serve, you know, a succession of masters, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be what's going to be. Thank you. And uh, this is the Arrow Video podcast and Arrow Video released King of New York on 4K recently. Um, how do you feel about that film today? The first film of yours that I saw. Um, how do you feel about it today? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... I'm glad we made it. It's cool. I'm glad, uh, you know, Francesco there just knocking out, you know, we're doing this. 
I'm glad Boyan did the color correction. Um, you know, yeah, I'm all good, man. Great. And um, Driller Killer is an extraordinary film. Would you ever make another horror movie? They're all horror movies. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Every scene's a horror film. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it. Mercifully brief episode. Um, we will be back next time for Wild Things. Dan and I will be discussing John McNaughton's Wild Things. Arrow's a fantastic, fantastic release of that movie will be covered in detail next time. But until next time, thank you so much for listening. And we promise, we promise to be more professional next time. Bye-bye.